So Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Everybody say that. I will fear no evil. For you, God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me Ready? In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's more than enough, isn't it? When your cup is running over, we have more than enough. And that's who God is. He's a God of more than enough. He's a God of abundance. He has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when he feels like it. Not just when, you know, when, when our, we're feeling it. But all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the time. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? That's pretty good news, isn't it? That's pretty good news. That's pretty, that's something we can stand on and something that we can hold on to and something that we can have assurance that God is with us. He's with us and he's for us. And he's got this. Every step of the way, we don't have to fear. Even when fear comes knocking at our door and when when the enemy wants to try to throw everything he can at us, including the kitchen sink, throws it all at us to try to get us to to fear and to, to be shaken. But we go back to God and we just say, God, you got this. We give it to you. So, Father, we just give it to you this morning. Father, you know everything that is going on. You know everything that's going on in our lives. You know everything that's going on in this world. Father, nothing is a surprise to you. Lord, and we know that you've got it. You've got it. You've got us in the palm of your hand. Father, I just thank you that mercy and goodness follows us everywhere we go. And that as, as we walk out into this world, Lord God, we bring that with us and we share it to those that are so needing that mercy and that goodness. So we thank you for it and we praise you. We give you glory and honor this morning. You are worthy to be praised. And we just celebrate who you are this morning together as a congregation, as a group of believers. Lord God, hanging on to the promises that you give us in your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Praise you, God, that you are great, that you are great in our lives, you are great in the earth, and you are worthy to be praised. You are the only one worthy to be praised. And Father, we thank you for your covering. We thank you, Father, for who you are. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and honor and glory, and we thank you that we can come together again as your body in this location. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. At this time, we'd like to dismiss the children uh, through the door there. Pastor Karen has a lesson for the children, so it's nice to see the children. This door here, this door right here. This way, guys, over on this side. All right, good morning. Uh, thank you for the opportunity again to speak a few words over the offering today. I'll, I'll keep it a little short today. But uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about one of my favorite offering passages, which is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and create and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So there's a lot of powerful words in this passage, a lot of alls and every. It's very well packed. I'm just going to speak a little bit on some of the definitions of the words and uh, move on. So the word sparingly in the Oxford Dictionary defines it as a restricted or infrequent manner in small quantities. The word bountifully is described as large in quantity and abundant. So sparingly and bountifully are opposites of each other. But the word says that if we give sparingly, we sow sparingly, we'll receive sparingly. If we give bountifully, we'll receive bountifully. It's a principle. But it also says as we purpose in our heart. You know, it's not something that we do out of necessity or grudgingly or something that's kind of a law. But it says we purpose, and God gives us the purpose and the vision. And that says all grace will abound toward us. Well, we know that God, grace is God's unmerited favor, and we receive it by faith, right? It's not automatic. We have to receive it by faith. And the nature of grace is increase and prosperity. So we receive it and we activate it by faith, and as we activate it and receive it, it increases and prospers us. And it says as we do that, we will always have all sufficiency. There's a lot of alls there, right? But it, sufficiency is an adequate amount of something. 
especially something that's essential. You know, God has told us also in his word that he will provide all of our need according to his riches and glory. So in all things, I think all is pretty well-encompassing, right? All is all. So that we may have an abundance for every good work. And that's the situation in which there is more than enough of something. See, God gives us, he wants us to have, wants us to be blessed, but he wants us to have more than enough so we can bless other people. And God is the one that supplies seed to the sower, right? God is our source. The seed just isn't there. So as the, the supply and as the seed is multiplied and, and supplied, we have, we have multiplication, and, but it's, it's multiplied as we give it, as we sow it, not as we hang on to it, keep it. I mean, I'm not saying that we give away our mortgage payment or our food, unless, of course, we have a direct revelation from God for that, but we give our seed. We get what's left over. We don't give our bread, right? Our bread we have to eat, but we have seed for more bread, and we have seed to sow. So God is faithful, but we need to participate. And uh, we are blessed to be a blessing, as I said before, to represent Christ to the world. So thank you for these few minutes. Um, there are various ways that we can give. We have the box in the back. We're not passing the bag right now. There are envelopes and pens back there. Um, you can drop your offering off at the church office. Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can mail it in to Lake Elmo, uh, River Valley Christian Church, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, 55042. Or you can give online at rvcc.info slash donate. There's a donate button on the bottom. The other ministries for RVFM have uh, websites and donation, donation uh, indications on those sites. So thank you very much. and. Um, I want to say I've been watching the offerings, and during this uh, house arrest, or whatever we want to call it, uh, the offerings have been good. And so praise God. Thank you to everyone. And um, sorry about that. Uh, that's, that's kind of how it's felt to me, so I, I, I apologize. And praise God to see you guys again. Um, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the seed that you've given us. Father, we also thank you for the bread that you've given us. But, Father, we thank you that your grace abounds to us, that as we give, you give back. We don't do it just to get, but we do it because that's your principle, Father. We thank you for everything you've given us. We thank you that you've promised us that you will supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. We pray for the, the needs of this church, for the needs of the RVFM congregations and ministries. Father, we thank you that it, that. You have supplied for what you have called us to do. And Father, we thank you. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian, for almost all of that. <laughs> no, it was awesome. It's good. You see what happens when Brian's wife, Luann, isn't here. Uh, the filter... Does not exist. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody today. 
And you just get, haven't quite gotten used to the fact that we get to see people. Glory to God. I mean, people in real, you know, like people you know, you know, not like stores where, never mind. Okay, so it's good to see you. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be here. Here's a special day today. Forty years married today. Glory to God. Congratulations. Miracles. Miracle upon miracle. Just wow. Praise God. That's awesome. Glad, you, glad we could celebrate together with you on this. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, it's, it's good to have examples of God's love, God's grace, God's provision and blessing, God's help. I know, I know. You know, when God said, go forth and multiply, you guys said, you took that, you took that serious. <laughs> Your sister's going, this one right here, that's the one. <laughs> it's awesome. Praise God. It's good. You know, the, this church is full of examples. Praise God. We have, <laughs> we have Pastor Dan and Claudia. Glory to God. Glory to God. They, they celebrated their 59th wedding anniversary just a, just a short while back. Glory to God. But then also serving God with all of their heart. Many of you, many of you, you know, faithful, faithful, faithful people. Hallelujah. And if you got your uh, email this morning, one of our faithful, faithful people, Dick Mann passed away last night. One of our, the pillars of our church. They were of the first, in the very first service here. Many of you were. Could, could you all stand? Not all of you. Uh, sorry. The emotion caught me and I couldn't get the rest of the words out in one sentence. Those of you who are in the very first service or within that first few weeks, could you stand that were the first here? Those of you, you, if you were on the stage six months ago or a year ago or five years ago, time flies. If you were here early on, awesome, awesome. These are folks that were here at these services. Pillars, pillars of the congregation. Hallelujah. So he, he's been, you know, if you, you've known Dick, he's been, uh, he's been uh, struggling for quite a while now. And uh, I talked to Barb last night right after he passed away, and, and uh, she said it happened very quickly. It just was, it, he was, just happened within a couple of days, he just, uh, he, he, he just went very quickly. And so praise God for that. And, and at this moment, we don't know all the specific details, but it, it looks like, she asked if I would let people know, it looks like Wednesday morning, uh, 11 o'clock, will be the service here. And then, uh, so uh, Gwen, she's going to get in touch with you. She's, she's already told me she's going to get in touch with you today, so as far as food. So 11 o'clock service, 
12 o'clock. She hadn't asked any of the kids yet, so you know, you know, we're still not absolutely positive, but that's what it looks like. It may change slightly, but uh, we'll let you know as soon as we do. But praise God. Praise God for, for those who have, who have gone before us and made this possible. And thank, praise God for our young people. Praise God. Because, because they're the ones who carry this on. Glory to God. And for everybody in between. <laughs> okay. We just wanted to hit everybody. Maybe, okay, everybody's covered now. But praise God for the body of Christ. That's the thing that we suffered the most over the last three months is, is that the body of Christ was separated. You know, and yes, there's no dis- distance in the spirit. And yes, where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. But there's something about it. We saw that last week in the, in the church service that when the body is together, the gifts flow and people were ministered to. And when we're together, it's, it is this, you know, there's words, and I saw, saw a meme this last few weeks that says, there's words I never want to hear again after this is done. You know, one of them is social distancing. Another one is the new normal, or, you know, and blah, 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 blah. You know, but the idea that essential, you know, what's essential and what isn't essential. You know, this is essential. Yeah. Jesus is essential. Exactly, and that's really what my heart is, is to share this morning, is what really, really, really matters. Because the world is trying to tell you that everything else matters right now. They're trying to tell you all kinds of things. They're try- the, the world, and I'm not talking about the news, although the news does it too. I'm not ta- Well, see, I'm getting into my sermon. Let's just start out. <laughs> Go with me to Thessalonians chapter 2. Little ringy, can you hear that? Brian's a little ringy. I can hear it. At least my ears are, I'm hearing it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I, you know, I'll throw out the, the real quick disclaimer because I always do in this. I, I grew up in a church where they talked about end times every week. It was always about Jesus could come back at any second and, and so on. And it just, it almost felt like, uh, that uh, you know, it was like one of the, a path that you walked down every day. I was in college, and, and there were the sidewalks, and then there were the places where the students walked, and actually where everybody traveled, and you know, it was different because they just walked somewhere so long that a path got hardened. You know? And it feels like that sometimes with certain messages, certain things in some places, that if they're not in the right context, if it's not in the right timing, it can just come you know, all of a sudden, wah, 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 wah. Well, in the church I grew up in, all they talked about was end times. And so that you don't hear me talk about that much. But we need to, because we just may be there, you know. You never know. We just could be there, you know. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or, or a letter seeming to be from us to, a, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. You notice even back in the first century church, they had false news, fake news. They had people sending out disinformation. So they, you know, these folks had an agenda. They wanted believers to follow them and to, believe they, you know, to follow their theology. They wanted people to, to not listen to Paul anymore. And they wanted them to follow what they're saying. 
They were, they were trying to gather followers unto themselves. And Paul is saying, guys, don't be easily deceived. Don't be, you know, and why does he have to warn them? Because it's easily, it's easy to be deceived. If you don't have the truth, if you don't know the truth, if you don't know what the Word of God says, somebody can say something to you and you go, oh, well, that sounds, sounds right. Sounds okay. And you follow after it. In this day and age, and you'll, you'll know, you'll understand where I'm coming from in, uh, as we get through this, ser- this sermon. In this day and age, it is so absolutely vital, absolutely imperative that you know the Word of the Lord. That you know it. That you know it for yourself. Now, already, you're st- some are starting to think, he says this every week. And those, those that I, I meet with, my, our board, our, you know, my, my staff and everything, I say, hey, do I, do I sound like a broken record sometimes? And there's some that are like, no, you, know, you need to keep saying it. Some, some things you need to keep saying. But I don't ever want to sound like a broken record. But there are some things that we must, must, must know and must get. Because if we don't, we, we can be easily deceived easily pulled aside, easily missed the mark. And I'm not talking, I don't, I'm, you know, man, don't listen to me if I say something that is contrary to the Word of God. Challenge me on it. I mean, you know, you guys were a part of, well, a number of you were a part of the, that, that uh, college group that we had back in the early 90s. And I told them over and over again, challenge me. If I say anything that is scripturally un. If I, if I have an opinion, if, I, if there's anything, you need to be able to challenge me. You have to. Why? Because you're not following me. You're following Christ. You're following me as I follow Christ, but if I stop following Christ at any point, it should not affect your salvation. You know, that was one of the saddest things back in the 80s is when there were a number of Christian leaders that fell systematically. You know, there was a bunch of them that, that just crashed and burned. And how many Christians, I'll put quotes around that word, fell at the same time? Just gave up. Why try? If they can't do it, because I'm following them, and if they can't do it, well, how can I do it? That's not the point. This is not about what I think. It's about what he thinks. It's not about what anybody else thinks. It's about what he thinks. And we have to know what he thinks. We have to know what he's saying. We must. It's so impa- I can't say it enough. Verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Interesting. Unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, depending on what end times eschatology you ascribe to, you know, that's some people 
are positive that's talking about the Antichrist. Some people, you know, and, and maybe you don't know this, you know, all the different kinds of eschatologies. There's one group, they're called preterists, the preterist worldview, that all of this has already happened. That, you know, when, when, uh, the, when the uh, governor of, you know, set himself up, they actually set the, they, they, they sacrificed a pig on the altar at, in, in Jerusalem, and then they, they set up a throne there. And he set himself up. It was during the, at, at 70 AD, that actually did happen. Some people think that's when it happened. Doesn't matter, because we're going to find out in a second, it's not about an individual human being, it's about a spirit of lawlessness. A spirit of lawlessness. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know, and you know, verse 6, underline this because this is so important. And you know what is restraining him, this lawlessness, what's restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It was already at work 2,000 years ago. That, that mystery of lawlessness. They, you know, the Antichrist, what does that actually mean? You know, Antichrist is not a guy who walks around with a 666 on his forehead. It isn't. It's not like any, pretty much every movie you've ever seen. Antichrist is anything that raises itself above the name of Jesus Christ. Anti-Christ. Anti-anointing. Anything that tries to draw itself or draw to itself attention away from Jesus. I love it. Yeah. What is, what's, the, what's all this about? You know, that, was, that was really going to be the punchline of my whole sermon is, what's the answer to everything that's going on right now? Jesus. You know, but that sounds so trite, right? I mean, it can. I mean, you know, it work with me here. You know, I mean, you know what I, I know you guys. You guys are fanatics. <laughs> you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, you guys are rabid, you know. Jesus! Woo! You know, I'm surprised that it didn't get like 14 people jumping and spinning. Because you know, it's, we love Jesus, right? It's easy. But the most of the world, that's like, oh, really? You're going to, they're going to come at me with that again? The problem is, the problem is, is that when Christians start to think that way. Now, you're going to preach that sermon again? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains it will do so until he is out, and he's going to continue to restrain it until he's taken out of the way. That's the way the King James says it, is that he who is restraining the man of lawlessness is going to stay there until he's taken away, and then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Who is he that restrains the man of lawlessness? Holy Spirit. Absolutely. No question about it. So, I'm not, I don't even care about the Antichrist. I don't care. Why? Because pretty much if the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way so the man of lawlessness can be revealed, guess who's being taken with him? I mean, that's just, to me, that's just, 
he said he would never leave me and never forsake me. So if he's removed, I'm going with him. So I'm not worried about Antichrist. But when it used to be cell phones. It's not, it's not cell phones. I'm sorry, guys. Where was I? Antichrist. That's right, Antichrist. I don't care. But what I care about is that spirit of lawlessness which is already at work. And what do we do? How do we live our lives in this world that is absolutely, I'm saying absolutely, and increasingly growing in a spirit of lawlessness? That's the dangerous part. You know, and I said this before, and please forgive me, because it, it just keeps burying re- Every time I think that's, it can't get any. Weirder. Now my attachments are falling off. Just when you think it can't get any weirder, it does! Ah! And you have to really, really be careful that you don't just throw up your hands and go, I'm out. I'm done. Because we're not done yet. We're not done yet. This isn't done. This is not the end. It's the beginning. Verse 8. And then the lawless one one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. It's literally that easy for him. He's not worried about the lawless one. Because when the Holy Spirit is taken out, who's holding back the lawless one, and he's revealed he's going to have, he's going to do what the Bible says he's going to do, and then it's, and then it's going to be, There's another verse, I think it's in Revelation, says he's going to defeat him with a word. I've often, I've often wondered what that word is. My, you know, and I have different, here, you know, I, if you want me to slip over into opinion, I, I don't know, it could mean, this is not doctrine, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't even say it, I don't know. I, there's there's two possible words that I've thought of that it, you know because I've thought of I've met it thought about this a bunch and and I'm not saying the Lord said thus saith or anything I don't it's one of two things one is it's love or it's Jesus the anointed one that's I don't know but you know what I'm saying it says he defeats him with a word. The greatest of these is love. So how do we defeat this spirit of lawlessness? You know, where's Kayla? Where's Kayla? Molnar? There's a few. Huh? Where are they? I can't see her. Raise your hand if you're here, Kayla. She's not. You kept her at home today? What's up? <laughs> she posted this week. And I was just, it was like, yes! How do you answer this stuff? How do we deal with this pressure? How do we, you know, I'll see, I was going to give her credit. If you're watching by television, it's, it's, I give you. the answer is love. And not the kind of love the world gives. 
Not the kind of world the peace, or not kind of peace the world gives. It's the kind of love that can only come from God, the Spirit of God, the love that transcends all things. And I'm not talking about an ooey wooey gooey, you know, I don't care how bad you are, I love you anyway. No, it's it's just the love of God that says, please stop what you're doing. And get your life right. You know, when when God called me back to him. When, you know, I grew up in a church. I grew up in the church from, from day one. I mean, my whole, my family went to church every Sunday. We went every Sunday night. That's when, you know, churches had, you know, regular Sunday. We went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, then youth group and children's ministries. And I went to camps. I did all the stuff. Then I went to college and I was stupid. Straight up, unadulterated, stupid. I walked away from God. Stupid. See, I can say that about myself. I walked away from God, and by His grace and His mercy and His, oh my gosh, by His grace, He called me back. You know, and some people talk about how, you know, God lovingly called them back. He didn't lovingly call me back. He lovingly called me back. And what He said was, John, knock it off. If you continue in your wicked ways, I will cut off your branch and I will cast you into the fire. That's love. Because it got my attention. <laughs> he knew how to talk to me. I, did, I wasn't offended by that. I wasn't offended by him saying, stop it. Quit sinning. Quit being an idiot. Am I teaching you guys some words? Sorry, I apologize. She hears that all the time? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> I'm not going there. Not going there. That's why we don't give the audience a, 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 a handheld. No, it's, bad. it's just, God, God, it's love when you say, stop it. Quit acting like that. You're causing destruction. What does lawlessness do? It causes destruction. It causes death. It causes killing, stealing, and destroying. Stop it. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all the power and the false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. You can despise the truth, and you, you can say all day long, I, I'm all about truth. But if you don't embrace the truth, and that truth is, is there's one way to heaven, and that's it. His name is Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. And you, you know, he is God and you are not. And you can't be good enough. You can't work, you can't be good enough to earn your way to go to heaven. It's not possible. It's not. There was only one life that was perfect. That was his. And he laid it down at the cross and died for you so that you could have a way where there was no other way. Jesus. We can't ever get tired of that message. That is the message. That's what solves the problems. And if you think, well, that's, that's too easy. Well, Jesus said that. He says this, this message is too easy. It's a stumbling block to some. Because they think it's too easy. 
I had a Jewish man one time ask me, he says, oh, he says, I've always wanted to meet a Christian. A born, he says, you're one of those born-again Christians? I said, yeah, I'm, one of the, you know, I'm, I'm born again. He goes, what do you have to do to get to heaven? You know, why do you, what do you guys believe you have to do to get to heaven? And I said, nothing. He goes, huh? What do you have to do? And I said, the Bible says that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you are saved. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, that's too easy. He goes, he goes, we have a bunch of rules. And he says, I'm pretty sure they give us a bunch of rules so that we don't have any time to do anything wrong. <laughs> but he's like, that's too easy. And that's the problem. It's a stumbling block to some because it's too easy. It's too much grace. What do you mean? He's just going to forgive everything I've ever done. Yes. He really did it. He's already done it. He doesn't have to do anymore. That's the message. That's the hope. We're not going to solve the world problems. That's one of the things that's just been frustrating these last three months. Everything that's happened. It's been so frustrating because what is the answer to this? There, what is the, what, I, can't, I cannot fathom what the world is going to do to come out of this. I can't. I'm just telling you. I cannot fathom. There is no, there is no human answer to this. Amen. There is only one answer, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. And if, we, if people won't grasp a hold of that, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Yes. Sorry. It's the world we live in. Amen. This last week, I read something that it, it hurt. I mean, it just, it didn't offend me. Because I don't, I'm not easily offended. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I have had years of experience of people hurting my feelings. <laughs> to the point where they just go, bing. I had somebody say something one day, and they go, I'm so sorry, I, did I offend you? I was like, <laughs> yeah, really? That was your best shot? Really? That was, that's all you got, huh? I wasn't, but what hurt me was the reality of, of really where we're at today. I read this from a gentleman who I respect greatly. His name is Barry Bennett. Barry Bennett is an a instructor with Karis. Bible school, the school that we have a satellite campus here. And he is, if you've ever listened or read or anything from Barry Bennett, man, he is one of the most center of the road, solid, theologically. He's not flashy in any way. I mean, if you, if you want to hear a fiery sermon, you don't go listen to Barry, okay? <laughs> it's just matter of fact, this is the truth, this is what the Word says. Here's your opportunity to believe it. And people write into his Facebook and other things, write in and ask questions about everything. You name it, they write, they write in questions. And he just gives them very solid, center of the road, this is what the Word of God says, truth. And it's just refreshing. It's just, it's just 
It's a good, he's been an amazing voice in the body of Christ. He wrote this on his Facebook post this week. He said, I'm asking that no more political or current event thoughts be posted on my page. I also refrain from any commentary. I never meant to become a lightning rod in the national debate, and some of the private messages I've received are ugly at best. Back to my summer vacation. That hurt. That was painful, literally painful for me. I read that and just my heart sunk. And I posted, and where, where I saw it, I posted on that person's page. I said, I said, at a time when this world needs to hear truth, people are being shamed into speaking truth. Shamed. Who, who reads this? Who reads his stuff? Who, who sends in questions? Christians do. This has become so stinking divisive that you can't say anything without offending somebody. I've had a number of people ask, what are you going to preach on? Are you going to preach on this, going to preach on that? Are you going to preach on this current thing? It's like, it doesn't matter what you preach on. Or it doesn't matter what you don't preach on. It doesn't matter what's said or isn't said. Because if I say something, I can get in trouble. If I don't say anything, I can get in trouble. It, it doesn't matter. You can talk about anything. Abortion. I've had people get angry with me because I don't talk enough about being anti-abortion. It ought to be, it ought to be clear. Don't kill babies. It's a sin. Don't do it. I've had people leave because I have talked about it. It was right after a sermon where I said, if you vote for anybody who's pro-abortion, you're complicit in murder. I might have been a little strong. get in trouble. I get in trouble if I say, God bless President Trump. And I can get in trouble for saying, God bless Governor Walls. So far, so good, huh? Let me know if she changes. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who are new, that's my wife, and, and she's, my, she's my barometer. Am I getting out of hand here, okay? Turn with me real quick, because here's the answer. Turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's writing to Corinthians, and he, is, he is, spends the whole first letter of Corinthians sorting them out. Because they're a mess. The church is a mess. Because they're focused on everything except what they need to be focused on. 
They're, they're, they're wrapped up into any, any and everything. They, they've got power. They've got the Holy Ghost, and so they got power. But then they've gotten so full of the Holy Ghost and so without, without knowledge that they're getting weird in the Spirit. I mean, they're just, so he's sorting them all out. And he starts out, I think, 1 Corinthians, and I'm sorry if I don't have it in my notes right at this moment, but I think he starts out by saying, you know, bottom line, you know, there's, there's problems in this church. Some of you say you're with Apollo. Some of you say you're with so-and-so. You're with Jesus. You're with Paul. You're, he says, what, if there's divisions among us, what in the world? We have no answer then if there's divisions in the middle of us. But then he gets to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, and he says this, And when I came to you, brothers, did not come, or when and, bleh, I'll get there, and I, when I come to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. You don't want to hear my wisdom. You don't. All week long I've been praying because I knew what I was supposed to say this morning. And I've been praying because it's just like inside it's been a turmoil. Because I know what I want to say, but I don't want to say it out of my head. I want to say it out of the Spirit. Because saying out of my head is just, you know, wah, 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 wah. But whatever I say from the Spirit, you won't be able to walk home and, and stop thinking about it. Amen. That's what I want. I want, it's not about lofty words or wisdom or having the, you know, giving all kinds of ideas of how to solve this. A, there's nothing here about how to solve. What he says is, he says, I didn't come to proclaim the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Verse 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the answer. That's the answer. Him crucified. Jesus Christ, the God of all the universe, came and died for your sins and loved you so much that he gave his own life. That is the answer. But in this world today, 2,000 years into Christian history, it's too easy to go, well, we've already heard that. Or we've already got that. Okay, give me something new. Give me something, give me something more cool. And I, and, I, and I have really struggled with this next sentence, and I'm going to have to say it, but I don't, you know, I'll disclaimer that I want to hear something else. T- tell me, so, say something else that, that'll tickle my ear. Give me a new revelation. I was going to go there, Pastor Dan. Thank you. Because you remember the 70s and 80s. He's like, give me the, give me the latest heavy revy. <laughs> For all you old Christians, I can tell all the old Christians, because they're all going, oh, wow. <laughs> Hadn't heard that one in a while. Oh, give me a heavy revy, man. Or That was a heavy revy. The clothes were not the only bad thing from the 70s. I'm telling you, it's just... (laughs) Verse 3, 1 Corinthians 2. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit of power. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want a demonstration of the power. Man, I don't care. And what is that power? The power to give life. I want to see people get saved. That is the greatest miracle in this world. 
is watching people go from the, the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and growing up and being... I mean, my life back then was horrible. I could tell you stories. And some of you would go, that's nothing. You should have seen me. Well, exactly. Our lives were horrible. And he took us and he gave us lives that are worth living. We have families. I mean, I heard about your guys' well, Joe's anyway, early life. It was horrible. And look at what God's done. Look what God has done. Look at the heritage that is continuing to build in that family. Look at the Pastor Dan was a mess. Wasn't he, Pastor Claudia? He was a mess. Praise God you came into his life. And praise God Jesus came into his life. And went from here to here. Amen. Amen. She straightened me out. I know. <laughs> but it was because of Jesus. Because she could have been the most wonderful person in the world, but without Jesus, you'd still be lost. Amen. The answer is Jesus. Amen. Well, that's too simple. No, it actually isn't. It's too powerful. That's why, they, that's why everybody wants You just want to put it down. What's the word? What's the word that Jesus is going to preach? It's not going to be some lofty wisdom. That's why I think it's probably the word love. Yeah, I could get really, you know, step over too far, but I've often, you know, this is just my ramblings in my brain. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to say to him. Because obviously God doesn't, doesn't, you know, Jesus doesn't condone anything the devil's ever done, ever. But at one point, they were on the same team, you know that, way back when. And I've often wondered, this is my own conjecture, please strike it from any memory. If it, I've often wondered, is he going to say, I still loved you? And it will destroy him. Because he hates God so much. And he'll never repent, he'll never turn, he'll never, he is vile to the end. But God loves, he is love. How do we solve the world's problem? We love people. And we love them, even if they're, they're riling against us. If they hate us, love anyway. It defeats. Greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I don't care what the latest narrative is on the news anymore. I don't. I don't care. Because that's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. Well, that's so simplistic. See, you Christians, it's just so simple. You know, you're just so, you're so simple. Well, you know what? I endeavor to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because why? Why? Because that's what the Word says. <laughs> if, if that, the guy who wrote all of the New Testament thought that that was the answer, I'm going to go with him. Uh, okay. He's smarter than me, obviously, because, you know, I don't have a book yet. And even if I ever have a book, it's not going to be like that book. <laughs> we have to choose. Each of us as individuals have to choose to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, well, well okay, 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 so I need to become a monk. Is that Because you know, that's how some people handled that back in the day, was I need to know nothing but Jesus Christ and just focus on Him, and I need to become a monk. Okay, I don't look good in robes. And the, the bald spot with the hair around the side, I just don't look it that way, you know, with a hood. You know. 
I don't, I don't, I don't like to be alone that long. And bland food. I don't like bland food. So you see, I can't be in a monastery. In a, no, that's not what we're talking about here. I don't even remember where I was going because I went way too far on that joke. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Let that one fall to the ground. No, that's way before that. I was to know G. Oh, spending. Yeah, how do I focus on that? Thank you so much, Patty. I'm glad Patty was listening. All right. But what I, you know, I'm I'm supposed to go fishing this week. You know, I'm supposed to go fishing this week. Does that mean I can't go fishing because I need to be focused solely on Jesus? That I, no, He's come to give us life and life more abundantly. Does that mean I can't do, do my hobbies or I can't have fun or no? Is it that I've I've met people in cults that you do no fun, no fun. I I, I have a, a relative who was a part of of a cult back in the 70s who, you know, their thing was they walked around sullen all the time. And, and the reason he left is one day it all of a sudden dawned on him as he's reading the Word. There's no joy in this. And it was that simple. It was just, there's no joy. I mean, the, the people love Jesus, they, they, but there was no joy. There's no life. He's come to give us life and life more abundantly. He's given us all things for our enjoyment. Enjoy your life. That, that honors Him. That blesses Him. That worships Him when you enjoy all the stuff He's given us. Go live your lives in joy and love. But know Him. Bottom line. It, I, I'll, you'll hear that from me. If, you know, if you, if, you're, if, you, if you want to ever stop hearing that, you're going to have to go somewhere else. It's about Jesus. And it's about loving him with all of your heart. Ushers, if we could prepare for communion. So in this post-apocalyptic world that we now live in, or it's not pre-apocalyptic because we're already in it, but in the world that we live in, we have to rethink everything. How do we do all that? That's why we don't have bulletins. That's why we don't pass the offering bucket. Well, how do you do communion? Okay, well, it was easy when you were all home. Because you took care of yourself. But now we're going to do communion here. How do we do that? One option was, as you came down the aisle, I would throw it to you. And, uh, <laughs> you'd ha- and then a squirt gun full of juice. Not doing that. Okay. Lots of ideas. Brian and Luann had a phenomenal idea. Bottom line, we're still using our, our same cup. You know, the cup for the juice. But you'll notice... That we're going to have five different groups, five different places you can go to. On the, the, the juice cup is on top of the bread cup. There's, a, there's two cups. There's a cup underneath, and then that has bread in it, or you know, whatever, and then it has the juice and the cup on top. Now, we could go with a prepackaged, but we've, some people have tested it, and they said it's nasty. So we're not doing that. Ours is fresh, okay? But it's, you just take, take both cups, Okay, so just take both cups. Go back to your seat. So we're going to have you come and get it. That way we're not handing stuff to each other. See, we have to think this all through. Come and get it. Sit back down, then we'll all receive together. Amen? And I'll talk at that point. So if the worship team, you're... Wow, look at you. I didn't even see you coming up. You're amazing! All right. Once, once everybody has everything, go back to your seats, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit and pray, and then we'll, we'll receive. So serve God's people.
all bows to the name of Jesus. We choose to do it now. We choose here on earth to bow. It'll be easy for us to bow then. Hallelujah. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was together with his disciples. Communion is meant to be taken together. It's supposed to be when we gather together and as often as we do this, do this in remembrance of him. Remember, it just it always points back to him. He's the answer. Jesus is the answer. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of him. So Father, this day, we take the bread. It said at the end of the meal, he took the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. He hadn't done it yet. He was speaking by faith. He was speaking about what he was about to do. He was going to shed his blood for the remission of sins. Every sin forgiven. Every sin. Every sin you've ever committed, he forgave it. Every sin you're about to commit. Every sin you'll ever commit, he forgave you. You are righteous. You are in right standing with him because of the blood of Christ. This is a symbol of it. This isn't the blood of Christ. It's a symbol. It's, It's a remembrance of what he did to make you right with God. So today, this he said he took the, the cup at the end of the meal and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you do this, remember me. Jesus, we do remember this morning that you are the answer. You always have been from the foundations of the earth until the end when it's all done and all death and all sin and all suffering and all evil is cast into the lake of the fire you're still going to be the answer thank you Lord Jesus for allowing us to be a part of your family thank you for allowing us to be a part and for doing what you've done Lord we'll always remember you but today we get to choose to honor that and to remember you together as the body of Christ. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you gave Christ, gave Jesus to die on that cross for us. For your glory, for your honor, for your praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 